Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. It is truly great to be back at St. Paul's after being away for about six weeks and to see some new faces, to see some friendly faces returning, and I pray that you have had a beautiful summer. My summer was, was truly wonderful. Um, my time at the Air Force Academy, it's my time once per year I go and do reserve Air Force chaplain duty, and I was a chaplain to basic cadet training or boot camp. So literally, my summer, my students, my congregation were all wearing Air Force combat fatigue uniforms. They were getting yelled at, screamed at, dropped for push-ups, basically had all of their rights removed for about a six-week period. What's amazing is that twice a week we stopped and we had Mass, Friday and Sunday. And what that does it's the only thing that they had that was the same from their life before. And the responses were, um, one person said, I've never been to Mass, but I came here, and this was the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. One other person said, I never knew how much I needed Mass until this. We just basically gave the people their humanity back. This opportunity to be a son and a daughter before God, our Father. It's just an incredible opportunity. So... Very important time that I spent there. And it's always good, too, because this is my alma mater. This is where I went to college. So it kind of always brings me back. And one of the other things I got to do this summer was teach a class on virtue that I taught to the cadets. And I talked to them about virtue in response to values. Because the very first time you arrive at the Air Force Academy as a cadet, you walk up this ramp called the Core Values Ramp. 
And they kind of beat these values into you, and they're good. It's integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. Integrity, service, and excellence. These are the values of which the institution is founded upon. And it was interesting because going back to my time, when I was a sophomore, I started taking majors classes. I was a political science major, and I was very excited to start my majors classes, and I took what was a political theory class, and it took all of about five minutes to realize that my excitement for this class was very misfounded. <laughs> it was a brutally boring class. And there was one day I have this vivid memory where the teacher went on a rant for about 45 minutes about how the Air Force core values should not be called values. That the Air Force core values should be called core virtues. He went on about a 45 minute rant and I remember my response as a sophomore walking back to my dorms with my roommate who also had the class with me. And I said, that professor is an idiot. That was stupid. That was a waste of time. I was actually angry, physically angry. Because we were in this time in this, con in this time where most of the talk among the cadets were about, was about war. We had a number of troops overseas in Iraq. And I thought, we have people dying. And this person is concerned most of all. The biggest problem is the language of values versus the language of virtues. Thought it was stupid. Went right over my head. Six years later, I ended up going to an Air Force base in the middle of New Mexico starting a men's group. And we read a book called The Transforming Power of Virtue. The very first chapter was titled Virtues versus Values. Why the language of values is not enough. This time it stuck, radically changed my life. And for many of you know, virtue formation for men and others is something near and dear to my heart. And just two reasons why values don't work while virtues do. The first is that values just don't make people moral. There's this idea for the last 40 or so years that as long as we instill the right values in people, then they'll become moral. The problem is, I know what's right and wrong. I still choose wrong. The person who cheats on his wife doesn't need values clarification to remind them that this was wrong. No, the person that cheats on his wife needs the virtue of chastity and the virtue of courage to actually act. The other thing that's short about the language of values is that they're subjective. Where do values come from? So many times they're just given to us, or this is a value is just something I hold important. But the virtues, especially the natural virtues, they're rooted in human nature. They're unique to every single one of us, especially those virtues of prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Prudence is the perfection of the intellect. We all have a mind. That's what makes us human. But we all have a will. And so sometimes the will to choose what's good is hard, so I need courage to do that. Sometimes the will to do what's good is easy, it's pleasurable, but it's not always good for me, so I need self-control, temperance. And all of us live in community and relationship, and that's justice. So prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude are naturally built into the human person and perfect every single person. And then you add the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, and we see our final destiny is in God with heaven, in heaven with God. And this is what we were made for. So virtues are so very important. Values, not bad, but they're not enough. And why I bring this up today 
is because today we celebrate the transfiguration. This beautiful feast where we see Jesus as he truly is. And what does the transfiguration have to do with virtue? Well, if you take a look at the second reading, the second reading is a very powerful reading from Peter. Second Peter, beautiful book, well worth reading. And he says, I was there. What I'm describing is not a myth. I saw Jesus. He actually ties the transfiguration, not as this nice myth, this allegory, but a truly historical event where they saw the divinity of Jesus, that Jesus is God. And he says, pay attention to this. And right before that, he says that we are actually called, this is in 2 Peter, to take on the divine nature, to be like God. And then Peter says, therefore, supplement your faith with virtue. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. So if you go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and it talks about virtue, there's a beautiful quote that goes all the way back to Gregory of Nyssa, 4th century, and he says, the purpose of living a virtuous life is to become like God. If that sounds crazy or scandalous, perhaps we don't understand what you are made for. To become like God, to take on his very nature, the nature of perfection, the nature of grace, the nature of goodness. And of course, this is something we cannot do of our own. This is why salvation is a gift. This is why grace is truly given, because there is nothing that we could do to earn this. To transform our lowly, broken, fallen human nature into a nature like God's? That's crazy. But the whole logic of the incarnation, that is God taking on human nature, that Jesus assumes a human nature, the logic of this is to show us that you and I are called to take on his nature. That it is possible to be a human person cloaked in divinity, we may say. Ultimately, this is what heaven will be. This is why heaven is joyful, safe, beautiful, everlasting, peaceful, no sin, because we'll actually be like God. So how do we do this? Well, welcome to the struggle. <laughs> A lifelong of faith and sacraments. Because the sacraments have a unique tie to the virtues. Every single one of the seven virtues, cardinal and theological, have a beautiful parallel in the sacraments. In baptism, we receive the virtue of faith. Where all of a sudden we become sons and daughters of God, and therefore we have the ability to relate as a friend and as a son of God. Then soon enough we still fall away, and the sacrament of reconciliation bestows justice, that we then are in right relationship once again with God. The sacrament of confirmation bestows courage or fortitude to do what's hard. The sacrament of the Eucharist that we receive every week is love, charity. That's why we need this every week, at least every week, if not more, to receive the love of God physically into our bodies. The sacrament of holy orders bestows a beautiful grace of prudence to point 
you all, to heaven, our ultimate end. The sacrament of matrimony is a beautiful sacrament that points and gives real temperance. A life where you live a normal life, enjoy all of the earthly pleasures of food, drink, sexual intimacy, but yet ordered to what's truly good, temperance. Lastly, anointing of the sick gives the virtue of hope. Because we realize that even in my sickness, even in my frailty, my true end is heaven. And so I'm restored internally. And so the sacraments bestow the virtues which allow us to become like God. None of us are ready for that. (laughs) At least I'm not. But I know with faith that this is what God wants to give. Second Peter says that we may become partakers of the divine nature, that we may be like him. And as John, Peter, and James saw him as he truly is for that brief moment to give them courage to fight through the challenges and the struggles and the sufferings of this day, so may we too keep our eyes on the divinity of Christ, that he is God, that he will lead us to heaven, and that the sacraments are a beautiful, beautiful way to grow in virtue. So look at your life this week. Pray for whatever virtue you think you need. Or I'll give you one encouragement. I don't know when or how this started, but about 10 years ago, I made a decision that I would start every single day of my life waking up asking for the virtues. My first prayer of the day. God grant me prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude, faith, hope, and love. Prudence, justice, temperance, fortitude, faith, hope, and love. You pray that every day of your life, you'll be in heaven with God one day. It's where we're all called to be. That's why we were made. The goal of a virtuous life is to be like God. The transfiguration shows that Jesus is God and shows us that we're actually made for this. Today, let us receive the Eucharist, (laughs) receive the love of God that transforms us day by day.